Second word of God, please turn to the book of Luke. The gospel according to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. I'm going to read what is a very familiar passage of Scripture to Bible readers. And when you get there, you'll see if you mark your Bibles that your pastor has preached from this passage before, but never, never this message. So I trust it will be a blessing. Now listen, if you came in this place lost, shame on you if you leave that way. If you come into this place backslidden on God, you're not where you used to be, ought to be, or need to be, shame on you if you leave here that way. Listen, this time of year, the story that we have is for everybody. And that's what this message is for. It is a message for everyone. And, and shame on me, I don't recall, and Debbie can tell me after a while, if she does, if I've ever preached on this message, this subject like the Lord has laid it on my heart. I do pray that it is a blessing to you more than I can say. I, I want to be, I, I be precise, but I want to be quick all at the same time. So I do covet your prayers. One verse, it is, in my opinion, probably the key verse of the book of Luke. It has, it has if I remember correctly, 16 single syllable words and it says enough, friend, to keep all of us busy for an eternity. Listen to what Jesus said at the end of this great story about the salvation of a tax collector by the name of Zacchaeus. He said, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Father, we're thankful today for the privilege of being in the house of the Lord. And we're thankful, God, how that you have blessed us with our children. We're thankful, Lord, for, uh, for their hearts and their, and their uh, 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 attitude. Lord, the, the simplicity of their faith and how that they're examples to us that are old in many, many ways. Well, we're thankful, God, for the mothers and dads and, and the grandparents, the aunts and the uncles, the friend and the family members of all sorts that have come to support them and to enjoy watching them perform today. But, Father, as we step now into the Word of God, I pray that you would just, through the power of the Holy Spirit, get all of our attention, draw us heavenward, Lord, and help us to hear the message that you have given us today. Have your own way, Lord, in convicting men of their sins, convincing them of their need of Jesus, and, Father, just doing a work in us all in such a way so that when we leave, we can say it's been a good place to be. Save someone, reclaim a backslider, bless your people, but glorify your name. We'll give you the praise and the glory for it, for we ask it in the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus, your Son, our Savior, and all God's people said, Amen. I want to talk to you out of this passage of Scripture on this, on this text, and I love this text. I want to talk to you about the supreme mission of the Master. The supreme mission of the Master. Listen, when Jesus came, He did many, many things. He revealed the Father, did He not? I mean, He made God Almighty tangible. He put the incorporeal or the invisible spiritual God in a body of flesh, a body that could be touched, John said, a body that could be seen, a body that 
could be heard. And I'm telling you today, friend, I'm glad God did what he did when he sent his son in the flesh. You say, why, preacher? Well, in the past, according to the word of God, when God sent his son into this world, he sent him in what is known as, as Christophanies. And many times he sent him on a mission of wrath and of judgment, uh, just like when he sent him uh, to Sodom and Gomorrah in chapter 19 of the book of, of Genesis. I'm telling you, friend, listen, uh, he sent his son uh, to bring judgment to a society that is much like our society today. But aren't you glad for John 3, 16 and 17 where he says, but God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And here's the verse I want to get to. For God sent not his son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I'm glad when he sent his son into this world through a virgin's womb. He had sinners like me and you in mind. Now listen, friend, if you reject him now, he'll judge you in a day that yet to come, but he sent his son into this world as the Lamb of God, as John said in 129, how to take away the sin of the world. He sent him as a ransom. He sent him to pay a price that he did not owe for me that I could not pay. And listen, friend, if you came lost again, may I say you can leave uh, saved today. And aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that in Luke chapter 24, verse uh, 43, I believe it is, when they were crucifying Jesus and when Luke says that he prayed, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I understand that he uh, said that repetitively. But you know what? Bless God, maybe that prayer kept 12 legions of angels from coming and just simply wiping the whole thing out. Listen, sir, ma'am, God wants you to be saved. The supreme mission of the master. Can I tell you what? When Jesus came, the world didn't need an educator. The world didn't need a philanthropist. The world didn't need a philosopher. The world didn't need a physician or God would have sent all that they needed. But according to the book of Romans chapter 3, 23, in light of the fact, I'm about to get happy, hey, in light of the fact that we're all sinners and come short of the glory of God, God sent His Son to seek and to save that which was lost. I'm glad that He sent His only begotten Son. Listen to what He said, Luke 9. 19 and 10 again. I'll say it again and again to seek and save that which is lost. In the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 15, Paul said, This is a, a, a saying worthy of all acceptation that Christ came into this world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 53 and 12. Now, get this. I want to emphasize, slow down and emphasize something here as he described the, uh, the suffering servant of Almighty God in this 53rd chapter of Isaiah and when he got down to verse 12 it says that he buried he bare the sins of many isn't that amazing Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. He died potentially for all mankind. Anybody and everybody can be saved regardless of what the hyper-Calvinists say. 
It is a whosoever will gospel. It is for me and it is for you. But look what God knows about the human heart. God knows about the human condition. He knew that not everybody would accept him. So he said that he died for many. Hey, are you the many? Are you one of those that are sure to go to heaven today? Listen, you can leave with that knowledge and with that assurance in your heart. If you just simply trust Christ, Isaiah 53 and 4 talks about him that bore our griefs and carried our sorrows, who was stricken and smitten of God. Verse 6 of that same passage says, All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord, meaning God, had laid upon him, meaning Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. Hey, friend, listen. Hey, the supreme mission of the Master was to seek and to save that which is lost. Salvation is what I'm going to be preaching about today. Everybody in here needs deliverance. Everybody in here needs deliverance from some impending danger. And I'm going to tell you what that danger is in a minute. But let me give you my definition of salvation. I like it. It's a pretty good one that the Lord has allowed me to craft. It is the full and complete divine deliverance from sin and all of its aspects, friend, of past, present, and future. Boy, that's good. It doesn't say some of the problems. It doesn't say some delivers, but it says the full and complete divine deliverance. Let me tell you something. If we could save ourselves, we would, but we can't. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, but he said in the book of Isaiah 43, what is it? Look unto me and be saved all the ends of the earth. The supreme mission of the Master is to seek and to save that which is lost. And let me tell you what the potential is. I've already told you, but I'm going to tell you again. It's for the whosoever wills. If you look in the first book of 1 John chapter 2, reading verses 1 and 2, it says something like this. These things were written that you sin not, but if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, who is the propitiation not only for our sin, but for the sins of all the world. John 3, 16, it says, again, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. First Timothy chapter 2, and I love this. I love listening out of view beautiful this is, says this, who, speaking of God our Savior, will have all men, all men, all men to be saved and come up to the knowledge of the truth. The supreme mission of the Master is to seek and to save that which is lost. You say, preacher, what's it going to save me from? Well, hold on, friend, I'll tell you what, we'll get to it in a minute. That it's potentially for all they're going to tell you the only ones will be saved are the only ones that want to be. The only ones that put their trust and faith in Christ. The only ones that realize that they're already today, not tomorrow, not in judgment after you die, but today because we've been judged in Adam in the garden in the fall long ago. Today we live under the condemnation of God. Can I tell you all why I got saved David, between 3rd and 1974? 
because I knew that if I would die, I'd die lost and go to hell. I didn't want to go to hell. Did not want to die lost. And I knew if I met a man by the name of Jesus, he could take care of all my problems. He could make me a new creature in Christ. And along about that, I, that evening, I, hey, listen, in the afternoon, I, I was out in my yard. I had a new bride. I had a new job. I was a newly uh, uh, a certified electrician for the uh, state of West Virginia. Hey, I was out, out in the house in the yard and had my gravely tractor, and I tore up the ground. God was tearing up my heart. I was raking it and laying it down. I said, I'm not going to have a garden. I took care of Denver's garden enough. I'm not going to have one. While I was tearing up the ground, God was turning. I was leaning on my rake. Looked like a work of the state. I don't mean that mean. It just always makes people laugh when you say that. And you know what I thought? I thought, man, if I die, I'm going to die lost and go to hell. And about that time, the Holy Spirit said, son, you don't have to. There was revival going on down in my little home church at about 8.43 at an altar of prayer. Bless God, on the left side of that uh, pulpit on the side that you all were on, I knelt down and sinner got up a saint and I've been saying sins, amen. You can be saved today and you can know it as sure as I know I'm saved. But you got to want to be. You've got to know you need to be. Listen, you're under the condemnation of God. You know what? Listen, friend, your, your future right now is already determined for you. You're lost. You, you're going to die. You live long enough, you'll die. You're going you're to go to the grave. You're going to stand before God in judgment. And you've got an eternity to face. Oh, look, friend, listen. There's impending danger ahead of you, sir, ma'am, with, without a doubt. And you know what? It, listen, you know why this is so great as salvation? You, you, I, mean, I mean, this is so great as salvation. If you look in the book of Hebrews chapter 2 and 3, the Bible says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great as salvation? Now, you can miss heaven if you want to. Shame on you if you do. You see, we're no fashion church. We just happen to believe this Bible. It's a King James Bible, by the way. And we still preach and teach because we believe this book says there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And surely anybody in their right mind doesn't want to die lost and go to hell. Nobody on your best day or worst day. I, I had an uh, atheist as a math teacher in high school over at Van, West Virginia. Miss White was her name. And we, it, she wrote in my yearbook, was this math class or theology? Because I told her. She, she didn't believe in heaven. She didn't believe in hell because she didn't believe in God. And I said, listen, Miss White, when you come to the realization that what this old country boy is telling an educated woman like you that that was liberal and already on the far as the left that she could go in that day. Hey, listen, it won't take you five seconds in hell to know that I was right and you're wrong and God have mercy on your soul. I don't, I, I've not seen the woman in years. She still used to be the last count I had ever active in, in that kind of, uh, of left thinking and left living and all of that. But I'm going to tell you what, friend, listen. 
God warns us of neglecting. Say, you may be here and say, well, you know, preacher, I, I believe everything you say. Right now I'm thinking back there, bless God, he's telling me the truth. But you know what, I'm going to wait. I, I, don't, I, don't, I can't do it today, but I'll do it tomorrow. Hey, tomorrow never comes. Good intention is nothing more, nothing less than a grease plank to hell. There's a lot of people in hell that were thinking today, I never thought I'd be here. But you know why they are? They waited one day too long. They didn't take the opportunity that last time. God said you need to be saved. You better listen, this old country dinosaur type preacher. Listen, friend, the significance of salvation can be easily seen in the following things. First of all, his name. Gabriel made two trips the, the year that Jesus was born. At least two trips uh, to Nazareth to speak once to Mary and to tell her that she was going to have a child. The Holy Ghost was going to overshadow her. The power of the Most High God was going to come upon her. She was going to conceive in her womb a son. It was going to be a holy thing. And it was going to be the son of David who would sit upon the throne of David. And by the way, Mary, you're going to name him Jesus. In the book of Matthew chapter 1, the same Gabriel came to Joseph while he was pondering what in the world he would do uh, uh, about his marriage with his espoused bride by the name of, of, uh, of Mary because after all, she was with child and he knows it wasn't his child. Now he knew, she said, listen Joseph, you're going to find this hard to believe, but, and by the way, I'm going to visit my cousin Elizabeth you know, she's wanted a child her and Zachariah has for a long time. She's pregnant now. I'll be back. I'm going to the hill country. And while I'm gone, you pray on this. You think about this. And you know what? When Joseph got down maybe to making up his mind, God sent Gabriel and said, All right, Gabriel, go speak to Joseph. Say, hey, Joseph, don't worry about it. Don't fear to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which conceived in her is conceived of the Holy Ghost. This is that which is spoken of by the prophet Isaiah. A virgin, a virgin, a virgin shall conceive in her womb, bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. And you know why? Jesus means Savior. It means Deliverer. Thank God in the name that God chose for his eternal son in an eternity past. He chose the name of Jesus. You say, why? Friend, to highlight the mission the master was on. He came to seek and to save. That was his lost. You ever been lost? I'm talking about literally, physically. Brother, I'll tell you what, it, it, it's some of the scariest times in my life that I've had I've, I, I used to tramp in the hills all the time as a young and now that I get old I can't go 100 yards without getting lost in the, in the mountain but you, you get lost in the mountains and you let the sun go to set and then the night begin to uh, come on and the wind begin to chill and the, and the, and the uh, crickets begin to chirp and all of the things that happen. Listen, your heart begins to beat hard and your breath begins to uh, go shallow. Lots of things go, hey, if you die lost, you've not seen nothing yet. I can't imagine what it would be like to die lost. Get in the pits of hell and say, my God, you've done it now. It's too late. 
There's no hope. There's no help. There's no deliverance. My Lord, friend, listen, but in His name that He was given, in the power that was displayed, in His death, burial, and resurrection, according to the book of Ephesians chapter 1, God manifested and put forth the greatest exertion of His power when He allowed His Son to die for my sins and yours and the sin of all the world to be buried so that on the third and appointed morning he could bring him out from among the dead. I'm telling you, listen, it's so significant. God has displayed the significance of salvation in his name, in his power, and in those things that, um, that we find are included under the words. Y'all know the word salvation covers a plethora of things. In fact, almost all of those theological words that end with the shun, S-H-U-N, and spelled I-O-N or T-I-O-N. Uh, all of those words like, like justification, regeneration, salvation, conversion, uh, grace, and, and uh, glorification and sanctification. All of those come under the umbrella of salvation. Listen, friend, you don't have to be saved, but you need to be if you're lost. You need to be if you don't know for sure. Right now, if you were to die, you'd go to heaven. Now look, you might be playing church, that won't cut it. You might be faithful to church, but never been saved, that doesn't get it. You, hey, people may think you're the most pristine person in the world, but every time your lips move, you lie like a dog. You've lied so much, you don't know what the truth is yourself. You need to be saved. That's pretty plain, right? Somebody must have needed that. I like what Greg says, it's not even my notes, amen. Amen. But look, friend, salvation is available today. Look, God has provided salvation by His grace. Salvation has been prompted by God's love. It's been purchased by the shedding of Christ's precious blood. It has been perfected by the plan of God. And you can procure it or make it your own today. By faith, if you will. Faith in His finished work. Faith in his word that I preach from today. Can I tell you all something? We look at the act of God's creation and we, I'm mesmerized of it. I don't understand it, but I believe in a young earth. I don't know how God can squeeze what scientists supposed to be, did you say 16 billion years yesterday in your text? Something, six million or billion? Yeah, billion. Josh is down at the museum yesterday with the kids, and, and he sent me a text. But anyway, hey, hey, God is able to create in his creation, friends, so that unbelieving scientists and geologists and all this trying to figure God out says this earth must have been here at least 16 billion years. Can I tell you why that I, I don't believe in an old earth, but I believe in a young earth? Death, the word death. Death. God pronounced death upon creation after Adam and Eve sinned. Before it, it didn't exist. As far as I can tell, would anybody agree with that? Well, you have to if you're a Bible believer. Hey, I know dinosaurs existed. I've seen their fossils and all of that. I don't believe in the pro-magna man and all of this evolution. A junk man does evolve, but we've not evolved from a piece of, of, of liquid floating in the, in the ocean that decided to get a tail and get legs and hang in a tree. Can I tell y'all what? Creationism is easier to believe than evolution. 
I don't understand it, but bless God, I believe that in the beginning God said it. Wham! It was. And it is. Thank God. I'm, I'm glad for that. I'm re- Listen, here's where I was going with that, though. In the beginning, all it cost God to create was His, was his breath. He spoke it out. I mean, the first thing that He spoke was light. I believe He said light be and light was. I believe bam, bam. I mean, is that it? Out of nothing but His almightiness, His wisdom, and His power, He spoke it into existence. But when it came to man, and our redemption, and our salvation, our full and complete divine deliverance from sin and all of its aspects, past, present, and future, he had to shed his blood. Can I tell you all what? This baby, everybody can love a baby in a manger. Everybody, everybody, nobody's intimidated with a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes laying in a manger. But you all know what? That baby grew up to become, to become our Savior. He came into this world as a lamb of God. But believe me, one of these days he'll manifest his character as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And believe me, folks, it's up to you how you meet him. By that lamb that come to take away your sin. Or the lion that would judge you and consign you into, a, into an eternal departure from God Almighty. I wouldn't want that. If I, you know what, right about now, if I wouldn't say, bless God, I'd come get saved. If I were sitting where you're at, and if I, I'm telling you, if I was lost right about now, this old boy, I'm already convinced that I need to be saved if I was lost, and I'd come to an altar and get saved, or pray in my seat and get saved. I'm telling you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't wait. Listen, friend, let me, let me give you the idea behind salvation, or the implication of salvation. You, 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 I've told you that, that salvation is, is, is the complete divine, it is, it is the full and complete divine deliverance from some sort of da- impending danger, danger that's ready to happen, danger that's ready to pass, danger that's ready uh, uh, to fall. And you know what the danger is for you, sir, ma'am, the lost, listen, you're in danger of slipping into hell before you recognize you are. Oh, I wish I could preach a message like John Edwards. An old preacher out of the 1600s. He didn't have good, good eyesight. In fact, they tell me that he wrote out his message and he held his Bible up like that and read it while people in that church, when he read that message on sinners in the hand of an angry God, were begging and pleading with him to quit. God moved in that message so greatly that they were hanging on the post and the pillars of that church, holding up its roof, begging him, feeling like that they were just any minute going to be swallowed up into hell like Korah and the others were in the rebellion that he led. And the ground opened up and swallowed them alive. Hell's the reality, folks. Everybody can go to heaven, but not everybody will go to heaven. That's why God said, Mary, call you son the deliverer. He come to be the savior of the world. He's Jesus, that's his name. He's the Christ or the anointed one, the prophesied one, the promised one, the Messiah. Yeshua HaMashiach is what it is in Hebrew. Listen, friend, there are things implied in this world, word, impending danger. 
You say, what is that, preacher? Well, what is implied is that someone needs to be saved. Now, let's make it personal. If you're saved and on your way to heaven and know it, say amen. If you couldn't say that in truth, I'm preaching to you. People come out and say, Preacher, were you preaching at me or to me? And I look at them and say, I am. I don't care how you take it as long as you take it. I want you to be saved. Josh texted me this morning and said, Preach it. I texted him back and said, Boy, I'd like to be saved. He texted me back and said, I would too. I don't care which one of you are saved. In fact, I want all of you are if you come lost. But I want you to know, friend, listen, you're living on borrowed time. Your life is in a vicarious position. Before you get home today, before you get in the buffet line at Josh's favorite place, Golden Corral, you can slip into hell. Isn't that sad? But it's true. It happens. People got up this morning. They'll not live the day out. They'll be taken, transported in the back of an ambulance with their heart busted. They'll have a stroke and die. Somebody will be angry and they'll uh, pop a cap on them and, and shoot them and they'll die. Somebody will be a climbing a mountain and they'll fall off a cliff. I don't know why they want to climb a mountain anyway like that. An airplane may crash. Somebody may go swimming and dive too deep and break their neck. Hey, somebody could get choked on a chicken bone. That's right. You need to be saved. You see, the idea is that, that there is something impending and it's someone that needs to be saved. And you know what Hebrews 7.25 said? That he is able to save to the uttermost. That means that once he saves you, he'll take you all the way through to the end. You know what else it means? You know what else it signifies? If somebody needs to be saved, God's message to us is somebody is able and willing to save. His name is Jesus. Go ahead, Miss Judy. Can I tell you all what? As a sinner, now listen to this. Listen, please listen closely. As a sinner... You may not be as bad as you can be. You may not be a Jeffrey Dahmer, a Hitler, a Stalin, a Mussolini. You you may not be a a Manson. You, You may not be any of those things. You may be honest. You may be a man or woman of integrity. You may love your wife, your husband, your children. You may be faithful to work, your business, your bills, and all of those things. And let me tell you something. Though, though you're not as bad as you can be, trust me when I tell you the Word of God teaches you're as bad off as you can be. You say, preacher, I'm a good person. I don't doubt that. With the exception, Christ said there is none good. But you say, preacher, I do right things. You probably do, but you don't do enough right things to meet the righteous demand. God has to give you entrance into heaven. Matter of fact, Isaiah the prophet said, all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags in the sight of God. Is this message to you, sir, ma'am? If you're lost, I can't help but know that it is. 
You say, how, do I, how am I going to be saved, preacher? Let me tell you, and I'm, I'm, I'm quit. Y'all can't, y'all, y'all can't know how quick I went through this message. Listen to what he said in the book of Acts, chapter 20, 21. When Paul was preaching to the folks at Ephesus on his way to Rome, he said, now, when I was there, in the verse above this, I kept back nothing from you. In a verse below this, he said, I preached unto you the whole counsel of God. But he said, here's what I'm going to testify to you, both to the Jew and the Greeks. Repentance towards God and faith toward Jesus Christ. You see, repentance and faith goes together. You can't repent without faith, and you can't, and you can't just have faith to get saved unless you repent. The Word of God says, listen, repent or perish. You say, preacher, what do you mean to repent? Repent has at its basis a change of mind. But to repent is to go to God and say something like, God, look, I'm, I'm a sinner. And I'm tired of sin. And it's got me nowhere. It's got me nothing but brokenness and emptiness. I'm telling you, sin will take everything that you've got. It'll deceive you. It'll dissatisfy you. It'll it'll distress you in depression, without a doubt. But can I tell you what? If you repent of your sins, go to God and say, God, I'm sorry, I've sinned. And right now, the best I know how, I repent or turn from my sins and I turn to you. And by faith, nothing but faith, I believe that when Jesus died at Calvary, He died for me. And that old preacher up there says that if I ask you to save me, you will. And on the authority of the Word of God, He will. The Bible says, Whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If thou shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Again, for God so loved the world that gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. You can be saved. You can be saved if you want to be, if you choose to be. Every head bowed, no one.